Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero for the workday afternoon on the phone with me, JP Ong. Now, as I said, it is nice, bright and sunny out there for right now. But on the market, it was a little bit less uh, bright and sunny, maybe a little more cloudy. JP, what do you think? Uh, I think that right now we're seeing that uh, the, the this is going to be a down week for markets, and it's definitely a very bad start. Now we're midway through the through the trading week. Um, it is hump day today, and the hump gets bigger and bigger, and we seem to be unable to clear that at the moment. I'm waiting for the business times to load. I've been having some trouble actually getting off back on their portal right now. But the SGX today, the straight times index, finds itself in the red by 1.4 percent as of latest check. The FTI down by about 37 points. And remember when we said that it was holding at least below about 2,600 as of last week? Well, it is now in danger or starting to flirt with a fall below 2,500, Clarissa. Um, this, in the last three, two and a half trading days, that is, given we're only halfway through Wednesday, we've seen the FTI fall by more than 100 points already. Value turnover just inching a little bit uh, uh, higher. It's a bit par for the course. It's about 761 million Singapore dollars in total uh, trading activity so far. Gainers, uh, losers outnumbering gainers almost by a ratio of two to one today. The same can be said for the mood across the rest of the region. Let's just take a quick check of how Asia and the Asia Pacific is looking today. The Nikkei 225 is in the red by 1.3%. That's the ASX 200, surprisingly, just down by about 0.4% today. We'll return to how Sydney's doing in just a little bit. But Shanghai and Shenzhen also marginally in the red, just down by a handful of points. So these markets are not exactly following some of the losses we saw on Wall Street overnight. The Hang Seng today down by 105 points. That's just 0.4% of the red. The cost the ditto, ditto for stocks and sold are also down by 0.4% right now. And, and, uh, and the reason we brought up some of those declines in the ASX 200 is because they're very energy sensitive as well. There's a lot of oil explorers on the ASX 200. And while we have seen oil prices start to... Um, uh, rolled over into those June contracts. As soon as they rolled over to the June contracts, WTI or West Texas Intermediate fell once again to about $10.30 a barrel. We have Brent crude also following suit. Their June contracts have also slumped to $16 a barrel. Look, this is one of the biggest, uh, uh, you know, consecutive, uh, you know, losing streaks that we've seen for oil prices in recent memory. One of the uh, top researchers for commodities at SEC Flats has said that if you think we found the floor, this is as bad as it gets for oil prices, think again because negative oil territory could be revisited very soon also. Um, Goldman Sachs today also saying that they think that the, that the storage in Cushing, Oklahoma for West Texas Intermediate might even hit, of a, might be at full capacity as, uh, as early as the first week of May. Brent crude not that far behind. There are reminders that while there's more storage for Brent crude, this could easily fill up. This is also not an infinite supply. It's not a source of storage uh, options for Brent crude. Uh, so this really just sending shockwaves through, 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 uh, through, through markets that are worried this could lead to more credit defaults in the energy space, which could then bleed into equities also. And this also uh, just showing that, you know, if oil demand is this bad, if it's worse than we think, well, how realistic is it that the global economy and major economies can recover from the COVID-19 pandemic that paralyzed demand for oil from industrials to even just driving or flying also? And I think it's just uh, reminding folks that, you know, the economic impact of this could be more severe than we thought. 
And to just add, add, put a little salt in the wood also, we, um, we uh, Singapore here, we have also decided, as we know by now, to extend the circuit breaker measures until the 1st of June to try and tame the COVID-19 pandemic. But this itself could also bring its own set of uh, economic uncertainties because businesses that were hoping to come back online on May 4 or slowly come back online on May 4 will now have to wait another four weeks. But what is this going to do exactly to, to some of the economic estimates for GDP in the second quarter, how bad is it going to be for Singapore also? So you see, take your pick. It's basically a buffet of possible risk factors that markets will have to contend with today. Okay, but DPM and uh, Finance Minister Heng Sui Kiet did say that whatever measures were in place to support employers in April will continue for May. So that should have been a little bit of a bomb. Uh, I think it's a bit of a bomb, but again, it's just, there is still some more uncertainty. It just shows that uh, right now what the markets are dealing with is uncertainty. Sure, there is some uh, support uh, to be given, at least, to the um, for, uh, for, for some of these uh, businesses that are suffering. Yes, there will be extended uh, support in the form of $3.8 billion Singapore dollars, but this is a little smaller than, we've actually, than what was doled out in April also. I think with a question now that many are asking is, well, if well, if we're extending it again, where it, where where when can we actually resume uh, normal business activity? Now, this is different, or we have to separate this also from the medical reality, right? That the COVID nineteen pandemic needs to be controlled. We need to bring flatten the curve. We've heard all of these uh, these sayings over the over the better part of the last two and a half months, also. Um, but now the question by many suffering businesses is, well, what is this going to do? How much longer can we actually bear? the uh, outbreak, the COVID-19 pandemic outbreak also, and its effect on our businesses. We're also seeing tighter measures on some other F&B outlets, barbershops, basically clear that I can't get a haircut now until the 1st of June. But that's beside the point. A lot of these businesses are going to have to face some of this uncertainty also, and more sectors are going to face this. What's it going to do actually to GDP here? Some of the economists have already uh, foreshadowed that, you know, there is a chance that the second in the second quarter, we could see the uh, Singaporean economy actually contract by as much as 20%. And, uh, and if that does happen because of the extended COVID-19 pandemic, well, everyone's going to have to go back and, re- and, uh, and reassess their economic uh, estimates, their economic outlook and forecasts also moving forward. Perhaps companies will have to say, well, we're going to have to deal with less business activity moving forward. So it is a bomb, yes, but at the same time, I think a lot of folks are just seeing this as a temporary parching, at least, of, of, of thirst at the moment. And the question now, and I think, uh, I, you know, $3.8 billion, it goes away, but is it enough? We go back to that question once again. Right, of course, okay. Now, it does look, though, that uh, that extension does does affect a lot of businesses across a lot of sectors. Um, your haircut, my bubble tea. Um, mm-hmm. And neither of us are going to get one until no, then. Probably not. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I have a couple of... I have a hair type from when I used to sport long hair back in the two decades ago. So I think I'll be I'll be busting that out sooner rather than later. I'm just glad I'm on radio and not on TV anymore. Right. Okay. <laughs> and the big news has continued to be to be oil. Uh, is there an end in sight to these falling prices, or is it just going to get worse as May progresses? So as we've seen, right, we've seen now it's the active June contract that's being priced right now. So we've rolled into that contract. And it was priced, at least WTI was priced at $20 a barrel. But that has fallen to $10 a barrel very, very quickly. And I think it's all because the question right now is storage. Look, there's a lot of oil out there that's continuing to be produced. Um, the question is, where are you going to, put, where are you going to store it, right? Um, can you build an oil tanker overnight to store some of this excess oil? Can you free up certain warehouses and find enough barrels 
to store all of this excess oil that's being pumped out across the world. A number of uh, ocean, and, and the uh, problems are across the board, right? Shale oil drillers in the U.S., they're worried that they might have to shut down, and if they shut down, they may have to go under and go bankrupt. The same problems are being faced by Saudi Arabia, which needs oil at a certain price to maintain some of their budget deficits. So it's hitting everybody. Uh, we've, we've seen we've seen uh, we, we, we've seen some of the Hin Leong here in Singapore also hit recently. They're on the private markets, but still they are a massive trader that just showed that they are on teetering on the brink of possible collapse if they can't pay back their debts and go back into positive equity on their balance sheets. Also, look, uh, the deal also between OPEC and friends to try and cut 9.7 million barrels of daily oil output. Many are now questioning if that actually is enough. Keep in mind that, two, uh, that when they announced the deal uh, a few weeks ago, this was hailed as the biggest coordinated cut in global production of oil in, 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 in almost, I believe, on record, actually. Mm-hmm. But that's not even enough because the demand has really fallen. Who's driving at the moment? Who's flying at the moment, right? How many businesses, if businesses needed uh, petroleum or gasoline to power some of their some of uh, some of their some of their operations also they probably don't need as much maybe as much as 30 percent low uh, only 30 percent of the previous uh, demand so a lot of this really weighing on oil prices and the question now is we have to track when these contracts get uh, um, approach expiry and if they actually fall into negative ter- territory as we saw over the last two days all right so that's not looking great uh, they've they're gonna do they're gonna have to do more. Uh, some some people maybe need to drive their cars more to get groceries. I don't know. I don't think that will help. But let's mm-hmm. look at what's going on here back in the region. This 2017 Singapore banks already got hammered somewhat. Do you think that they've learned lessons from that? And And what are they going to be doing about 2020 for them? Well, I think the big question now is when they release earnings, if they are going to announce another increase in some provisions for bad loans. A lot of banks have started to do that in the U.S. EBS, OCBC, and UOB might have to do the same if the fallout from uh, oil prices falling actually feeds into the oil and gas sector like it did in 2017. So the Business Times reported back then uh, that the total exposure, at least, of Singapore's banks to Kim Leong's um, uh, debt or risky debt is at about 600 million Singapore dollars overall. Um, some uh, some analysts have actually said that the, the the big three here have actually learned their lesson from 2017, and they have been cleaning up their oil and gas loan books with significant provisions. Actually, Philip Securities Research today in a, in, a, in a note today said that banks since 2017 they remember this thing and they have been adopting a more prudent approach. And apart from limiting their exposure to the industry, the credit quality of borrowers has been placed under even higher scrutiny also. Um, Maybank Kim Eng has also concurred that the banks have been actively lowering their exposure since 2017. And while they're not fully immune from the volatility, they might be in a better position to respond as compared to three years ago. So at the moment, who is actually on the hook with Kim Leong? You have DBS with the biggest exposure, about 290 million U.S. dollars in debt extended to Kim Leong trading. By DBS, OCBC not that far behind, 220 million U.S. dollars in estimated debt extended to Hin Leong, and UOB has also let Hin Leong draw down more than 100 million U.S. dollars. So this is all in USD, and this only about just about a sixth actually of the actual exposure or the total debt pile that Hin Leong owes owes about 23 banks. And uh, and while it might not be much, the banks might be smarting because. 
if uh, this actually leads to more oil and gas traders and more oil and gas firms there start to receive, receive debt piles, uh, bad debt rise, this could put some of these banks in more risk. The risk management uh, uh, at these banks is, is, is rather exemplary, but then it, it might mean that they're going to have a lot of sleepless nights trying to balance their books and trying to make sure that they can manage the fallout from this if it gets even worse, because we've seen oil fall below negative to negative territory. How much lower can it go? And then the question is, how much, uh, how much more can this the sector take and will it bleed into the banks? Right. Okay. Well, let's end on a happy note. Now, about four or six weeks ago, we started talking about biolytics. And mm-hmm. at that point, I asked you, is that a stock worth watching? And you said, you don't know, because uh, one of the things that you did highlight is, was that as good as that price was going to get? Well, apparently, the answer to that question now, in hindsight, is no, it got better. It did, actually. Today might be the biggest jump for biolytics yet. 42% of the green clearance, though, they are trading at 76 cents a share. And an interesting tidbit also, before I joined Money FM, actually, one of the first, uh, uh, in the, the first two weeks I, I joined, actually, one of the, one of the first interviews I actually tried to at least produce while I was getting, while I was learning the ropes of, uh, of radio was to actually, uh, uh book a, uh, an interview with, for, uh, with biolytics from my predecessor, actually. It was very interesting because all they could talk about was cancer diagnostics. But look at how how fortunate, I guess, or, or how much of a boost the shift to developing the COVID-19 test kits has been for biolytics, up 42% in today's session, 76 cents uh, a share at the moment, and this building on consecutive strong gains. As bad as the SGX or the FDI has fallen in recent days, I think uh, Biolytics has outperformed them in the opposite direction and with, some, and with change to boot also. Um, this actually see, also sees them as one of the most heavily traded offers on the SGX. About 79.7 million shares changing hands also. Total value turnover surrounding Biolytics at about 50, almost 60 million Singapore dollars. Here's an interesting uh, thing to note also today. Biolytics is the second most heavily traded offer on the entire SGX. They are just behind DBS in terms of value turnover. Not bad for a company that's on the catalyst and also just listed about 50, about 16, 17 months ago. And uh, they've been actually getting a lot of, uh, going from strength to strength. They are now allowed to market and distribute their test kits in the, in the U.S., their COVID-19 test kits. This follows approval from the European authorities, Singapore's own, own author- health authorities also, and the FDA or the Food and Drug Administration in the Philippines. So they're seeing a lot of markets open up. But, um, you know, it's, uh, in some ways, it is also mimicking uh, the, uh, the uh, performance or the share performance of some of these other test kit makers in South Korea. We've talked about CG before in Seoul, doing the same thing out, on, out in the COSDAQ in South Korea. Uh, and it seems that Biolytics is saying, you know what, I can do this too. And it seems that this is not just a hot stock. It is, uh, it is uh, smoldering right now. Well, it, that's a good place to end it. I'm sure that you'll come back uh, on primetime when you rejoin the show then, that you, with the latest numbers and the latest movements of Biolytics, everybody's going <laughs> to have their eye on it now. Absolutely. I, I, myself included. It is an interesting stock to watch. All right. This has been Market View on Workday Afternoon on Money FM 89.3 with JP Ong. I'm Clarissa Montero. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg.
or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.